Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, welcome back to episode 110 of Two Drunk Brothers in a Podcast, presented by the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. And it's kind of a somber day because yeah, it is football. No more football. Football season's over. But well, yeah, football is our bread. We have been daily basketball gamers, so I can't be too sad. Uh, yeah, it's just not the same. I mean, the. Football was the bread and butter of this podcast. It's the reason why we started it back in 2018. And uh, it's carried us this far, 110 episodes in. You know, the majority of our stuff's been about football, but uh, we will round out with some football talk today and close up shop on that for the rest of the season until the draft. But obviously, you know, the big talk is Super Bowl 55. Got to talk about that and everything that kind of encompasses the big and last game of the 2020-2021 football season. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, to dive into this. Hopefully we don't sound a little bit too biased because the outcome that we wanted did happen. We won some bets, uh, but we will we will talk and try to, I guess, feel sympathetic for uh, for those who had the Chiefs and Chiefs backers, Chiefs fans. But before we dive into the game itself, uh, let's talk about, about Tom Brady and, and his, the legacy that he is leaving behind the sports world uh, and just how unbelievably incredible it is. Yeah, I mean, Tom Brady is – when he – like, he was up there for me. Like, as much as it pained me to say it as a Rams fan because the first Super Bowl that Tom Brady ever won or growing up as a Rams fan, the first Super Bowl he ever won was against the St. Louis Rams and then – forming to the dolphins over the last five years, like you really grew to hate Tom Brady. And I knew he was always up there as like in that goat talk, that goat conversation, but winning that seventh Super Bowl with a different coach and a different, with a different team solidified it. Like he is the greatest player ever to step on a football field. All right. So I think we can, we can all picture that, which, Yes, he is good, not taking away from his legacy by any means, but he has definitely gotten some help over the years on the defensive side of the ball, I will say. Yeah, but even I, I think – I'm not going to say that he, yeah. he would never be in the situation without his defense, but it's always, you know, a little bit a little bit easier on you when you have a pretty good defense. Yeah, I saw uh... – I think it's fair to say, or just in not even a defense, a good supporting cast. He's always had guys around him that have been there because I saw a TikTok today of this guy like showing all the plays that Patrick and like, dude, like I'll say it right now, like we ragged on Patrick Mahomes because his numbers were shit, but I saw this TikTok today and there were so many plays that should have been made that were not. And his offensive line was basically like a turnstile revolving door. Like they didn't, they couldn't stop me and you. 
on Sunday. Yeah, so. we'll we'll talk about that when we get into the game a little bit more. But uh, what, what, what I was saying is like is like that just goes to show you can be a great quarterback and without a supporting cast, you're not going to win championships. Yeah, for sure. I did want to ask you because it's been going around social media a lot. Is he the goatest goat? Is he no. the best like player like in the history of sports? No, my my goat of sports is kind of an odd one. It's Michael Phelps. Like I don't think anyone would will ever touch what Michael Phelps did in a swimming pool. Like as weird as that is to say, like he's not the goatest goat. I will say that's tough. I mean, it is tough to to, cro- to compare across sports. Um, but and as much as I don't like this guy, this guy I'm about to say, not the fact that I don't like him as a character, I've just never been a huge fan of his as a player. Tiger Woods. Yeah, uh, the man had like the world number one uh, spot for an unbelievable amount of time where nobody will ever catch it. Yeah, so it is kind of hard to compare like goats of cross sport, but yeah, I wouldn't even uh, in terms of championships. Tom Brady now tied uh, the player with the most championships in the sport with Robert Ory. Did you see that? No, because somebody had eleven. Somebody in the NBA has eleven. I think it's. I think it's. Uh... Eleven? Yeah, Bill Walton. As a player? Bill Walton. As a player. He has a shitload of them. That's hard to believe. Not Bill Walton. I don't think so. Someone has 11 championships, 11 NBA championships, 11 NBA rings. It might be, yeah, Bill Russell. Bill Russell. He won 11 titles during his 13-year playing career. That's a, that's ridiculous. So, I mean, if we want to talk about goats, maybe it's just the fact that he tied Robert Ory with the uh, with having seven. Seven, yeah, but yeah, I knew I knew Bill Russell, Bill fucking Bill Walton's the guy who does late night Pac-12 basketball games and talks about Grateful Dead and doing psychedelic drugs and shit like that. He's a crazy asshole. So, uh, <laughs> but either way. Uh, Tom Brady is amazing. His contract's not up, is it? Or is it up? No, he he, he and oh, I thought it was weird. Like they asked Bruce Arians if he was coming back. Like Bruce Arians didn't take that job just for a year to come coach Tom Brady, I don't feel like. But maybe he did. But they both confirmed that they want to come back. Tom Brady and Bruce Arians want to come back. And the, another thing is what that was what I was hearing is because it's so late in the coach hiring process and pretty much every position's filled that all the assistants for the Bucks will probably come back to Byron Leftwich, um, yeah, Todd Bowles, like all those, all those guys will come back because there's no other jobs to take out there. Yeah. Which is great. Great for the Bucks. Um, and I know, I don't know if Mike Evans contracts up or anything or if it's up in the coming years, but he already publicly came out and said that he is willing to, you know, take one for the team because he just wants to keep winning. So that's good for uh, good news for Bucks fans, especially if, if they can get the majority of their team back. They look, I mean, pretty unstoppable. And it's weird because I doubted the Bucks all year long. It's probably many did because I didn't think that they were that real. But like when it came down to their key games, like they they played the best football all year long. Yeah, and that's why at the beginning of the playoffs, like we were talking about teams that are hot. You know, there was. 14 teams in the playoffs this year and we put out futures on four teams. We had three of three of ours were similar. 
but I just picked the four teams who I thought at the time were playing the hottest football. And it was the Packers, the Bucks, the Ravens, and the Bills. Because at that time, those four teams were probably the hottest teams going into the playoffs. Luckily, it paid off for me. I was very, very nervous. I was like, man, am I going to go 0 for 4 in this if they lose the Super Bowl? But they didn't. It paid off. Um, so another thing about the Bucks win that I thought was just, to me, why they won was their defensive pressure they put on Mahomes. Like the amount of the amount of times he had to get out of the pocket and escape pressure because his offensive line was dog shit. Like the defense definitely won that game. And arguably you could probably say Devin White should have gotten Super, Super Bowl MVP. Mm, I wouldn't say so. I mean Tom Brady did pretty damn the job moving the ball down the field. Like the his numbers didn't show for it, but just when they were out on the field, it just looked like Really easy for the whole team, honestly. Yeah, his numbers didn't show for because he didn't have to do much at the end of the game because they were up by so much. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Which you said the defense won it for him. Uh, You know, Chiefs fans could arguably say that the refs won it for him, which takes us into our next point. We're going to talk about the officials and some of the calls they made. Uh, Now, I'm not going to like. I'm not going to be blind to the fact and say that like the refs did a good job by. There were a couple questionable calls, um, but, you know, I feel like Chiefs fans can get a little bit of a piece of humble pie from the Donovan Peoples-Jones hit Daniel Sorensen had uh, against the Browns. Uh, so let's say after that, what do you think? I, th- I think there were three big calls in what Chiefs fans are complaining about. Yeah. There was the two pass interference calls on Mike Evans and then the offside call on the field goal. So, so it's – is that it? Is that the three that you that you think? Yeah, yeah, that's the three that I kind of thought of. And the the one that I'll throw out the window right away that I'll say you cannot argue with. Let's well, hang on. Let's just go in order. Let's go in order of these calls and talk about it. The first one that happened uh, was the offsides call on the field goal. Ticky tack. I, I don't know. So I, I actually went back and looked at them all day because I wanted to see and refresh myself because it's been a couple days. Uh, it was it was unseeable by the like the angle the camera was at. It was like ten to fifteen yard like backwards towards the kicker. So you couldn't see the lineup of like the, the side gunner guys. Uh, but apparently like two of them were lined up over the ball. And even the broadcast is mentioned. It was Nicole Hardman, but they called the other guy for it, but both of them apparently were lined up over the ball. I mean, when you can't see it, you can't really argue it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it was ticky tack though, but still at the end of the day, what what is that that offsides did lead to another to a touchdown. Again, it's it's four points though. You're talking about the difference of four points when you lost by twenty-two. Like you lost by twenty-two points. So cool. Do you take away those four points? Cool. You you're losing by eighteen now. And then the next the next one is that first defensive pass interference call on Mike Evans was deep ball. I think it went for like 43 yards. Me and Jared both agreed that ball is 100% catchable. That ball is catchable. I think people forget how good of a receiver Mike Evans is because he's been so quiet since week one, since the wild card round of the playoffs. He didn't do much against the Saints, didn't do much against the Packers, had one catch. There's a reason why he only had one catch in the Super Bowls because he got – PI'd twice. Now the second one we'll talk about in a second, but that first one, that guy clearly, whether he tripped up or not, I don't give a shit. If he tripped up, he tripped over his own feet. And when he did so, he fell to the ground and his arms wrapped around Mike Evans legs. 
and thus cause him to stop running. Whether you think he's going to keep running and catch the ball or not, I think it's a walk-in touchdown. So that guy, yeah, so. On, honestly, to me, he made a touchdown-saving uh, penalty. Yeah, so I, I went back today, like I said, and watched him, and I saw it slow motion, slowed down even more. And when he was running in stride, full, full sprint, he ran five yards in, like, the span of, like, two seconds when it was slowed down. As soon as Tyron Matthew tripped up his feet, I, I sped it up. He was right, like, right under the ball, and then two seconds later, the ball was five yards down the field from him, but he was falling down. I think he extends his arm. He, he makes that catch, and like you said, it's a walk-in touchdown uh, easily in my eyes. Like, Mike Evans is fast enough. Nobody's catching him when they're already three yards behind him right there. And, I don't, it wasn't Tyron Matthew, though, was it? It wasn't. Yeah, him. it was. Are you sure? Yeah, it was Tyron Matthew. Huh. And when he, like, if he catches that ball, if that pass interference is not made, he catches that ball and they score a touchdown, we aren't even talking about the second one because it was later that drive. Yeah, okay. So, but, but, but he made the call. We think it's the right call. Now, the one in the end zone, I understand. That ball hit the fucking back where the seats were at. Maybe yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not defending the, the flag by any means. I can see because, like, when you were looking at the ref that threw it, it was the one that was underneath the goalpost, and so he just saw the yeah. nudge through the flag. I think it should have been picked up, but I can see why he threw because he wasn't paying attention to where the ball was going. But still, at the end of the day, I think that was what first or second down. So, but I think there's only like ten seconds left on the clock. Okay, again, you're probably talking about a flag. That's gonna that's gonna save you from four points. Another four points. So that's four. eight points total. But again, that is a very questionable considering if that first defensive pass interference isn't made, Mike Evans scores that touchdown. We aren't even talking about the situation. Yeah, but it, but it was made. So this still then like you're talking about the refs. If you really want to argue it down to brass tacks, the ref you could say if you wanted to argue it, the refs spotted hell. If you even want to say they spotted them the full ass seven points. They still only spotted the Bucks eleven points, and you still you still would have lost. That makes the game twenty to nine. You still, but lost. that is that would have put the Chiefs up at halftime. Okay, I don't I don't give a shit. I mean, the, the Bucks the Bucks <laughs> defense, doesn't care about momentum. I don't because Todd Bowles had one of the most spectacular defensive game plans against the Chiefs I have seen. Yeah, I mean, probably. I don't either. think I don't think it boiled down to uh, momentum much. The fact Chiefs' offensive line was just getting run through like an old houseboard. Yeah, and people, all casuals, casual football fans, were saying like, "How can how can't they beat this?" Because you know they're they're doing ex- okay. I'm I'm sorry, I said it leading up to the Super Bowl. I said if someone wants to go beat the Chiefs, watch what the watch what the Dolphins did against them. You know, granted, the Dolphins lost that game, but they did zero blitz. Cover cover zero blitz six or seven guys, and that's exactly what the Bucks did. If you look at probably ninety percent of their plays, they're blitzing six to seven guys and have everyone else in cover zero, no help. They may, maybe had one safety up top to cover Tyree Kill, but still they brought the pressure. Mahomes had a fucked up toe. That's what you got to do. Yeah, I mean their their line was no help. It didn't also. You know, didn't help that they were missing, I think, two starting offensive linemen mm-hmm. uh, in a Super Bowl game. That's never going to be good, especially when you're already going up against that Bucks D-line who they said was going to be a problem before the game when you were all healthy. 
and then to go back on your what you mentioned way earlier in the show, um, the wide receivers just dropping balls and not helping them out. I think a lot of it is kind of taken at it's like seeing out of context because I mean wide receivers are going to drop balls. It happens every game. It just so happened that every single time wide receiver dropped the ball in this game, it was for a big yardage and on third down. And hit him right in the fucking face mask. It's not like it's not like it was a it was a pass above their heads. Hit him right in the fucking face mask. They pretty Kelsey, much just picked the most unfortunate time to drop a pass, and then they did that. Yeah, Kelsey and Hill, both two of the most sure-handed guys ever. And that's what I'm saying. Like maybe this Chiefs team's been propped up by stellar play. You know, I'm not like Kelsey and Hill are phenomenal receivers. They're great offensive weapons, but they played down to their to their to their worst ability. They played to their lowest common denominator on Sunday. And I think when we see that happens, that the Chiefs are beatable any given Sunday. And that's what yeah, I always I mean, say. That was easy. I think that was easily the worst game the Chiefs have played in the last two years. That I, it, it reminded me a lot of that game against the Falcons. If they would have played anybody else that week, they played the Falcons, they would have lost. That's they remind me of that because I I had bet on them that week when they played the Falcons. Cause it was like not that big of a spread. I think it was like seven or eight points. I was like, Oh, they got this in the bag. I know it's on the road in Atlanta or whatever, but dude, I mean, they just, I mean, like not, was, no part of their game looked good on Sunday. No part of it. None of it. Special teams was terrible. Your rookie at your rookie punter. Screw, don't you want to talk about, it. you want to get pissed at somebody? Get pissed at Tommy Townsend. For, oh, Tammy, Tammy Townsend. Tammy Townsend for <laughs> shanking that pun out of bounds. That pretty much gave the bucks points right there. Like that was horrible. That's, yeah, that was but horrible. you got to think though too. Yes, it is his fault because he did punt it, you know, twenty something yards net. But the play before that, he had a fifty-eight yard punt that was called back on a holding call. Yeah, I mean, it's just so, it's just super unfortunate luck that she's had. I mean, they just played literally the worst game they could have in that game. They could, and they, and that's a game when you're playing against somebody you can't. One last thing I'll say. Um, on the game itself, and I know I, I said that Todd Bowles had a great defensive game plan, but I think that Bruce Arians outcoached Andy Reid from whistle to whistle. I think it, I think it's so funny that Andy Reid has known for like never having clock awareness and bad timeouts, and then this is the game that he ever chooses to call timeouts before the half, and it bites him in the ass. Yeah, so uh, you guys want to go back and bitch about those two PI calls? Bitch at your coach for calling those timeouts. Yeah, it, it didn't even have to come down to that. The uh, they ran, the Bucks ran it for no gain on first down, fifty five seconds left. I'm not sure if they would have called timeout. I don't think that they would have if they were going run there. Uh, Andy Reid called timeout. Then after that, they threw an eight yard game on second down. Uh, it was second or third and short. Then he called another timeout with 47 seconds left. I'm like, they would have just, the Bucks would have let the clock leave in the half. Or they probably would have tried to ran it and get in a field goal position, maybe. But I don't think they would. I think when they did that and they took, then they took that shot play. I think Bruce Arians took that as a, hey, fuck you. I don't, I don't think your defense can stop my offense. And there's like, screw, it, let's let, let's roll with it. So I just think that they got out. That Andy Reid got out coached. Oh, absolutely. By whistle to whistle, and then just every facet of the game, the Bucks were better than the Chiefs. Like that was a very dominant performance. And honestly, if we didn't have money on it on the Bucks, it probably would have been a very boring Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, it would have because it, it was pretty. I mean, it was pretty exciting going into halftime. Uh, the weekend's performance wasn't a huge fan. 
not even the fact that I'm just not a, a big weekend fan. I just didn't like. I thought it was kind of boring. Like there was nothing crazy. Yeah, no wardrobe changes. So our over half a wardrobe change fucking flops. <laughs> um, the yeah, that flop for sure. Uh, well, I mean, just like the stage was boring, kind of stood still. Then again, too, we were, you know, ten sheets to the wind at that point. I wasn't really paying much attention. So Travis and I were been drinking all day. We smoked some meat and we're just drinking and doing shotguns every time the buck scored. And so in that, that time, the one thing that tripped me out on the weekend's halftime performance was when he was in the house of mirrors. Like that shit trips me out, dude. Dude, it was making me, it almost made me sick. I was yeah. like, you gotta stop with this throwing the camera all over the place. <laughs> I've had one too many drinks and I'm going to throw up. Yeah. but yeah, uh, It was a little uh, preface into how I was going to feel when I lay down in bed that night. Yeah, Monday morning was not kind. This is uh, <laughs> our our official, you know, get behind making the Monday after the Super Bowl a national holiday. I feel like it should be already it'd be a thing, but whatever. Um, anything else from the game? I didn't really, dude. Honestly, don't, didn't pay attention to the commercials too much this year. Honestly, no. I think every every commercial break we were either talking about the upcoming drive or what had just happened or something on social media. So I really didn't even pay attention. In the second half itself, like. Yeah, they were only down what fifteen points, but they uh, they dug themselves in a deep hole and kind of ended it pretty quickly. So that's about yeah. it. So that's Super Bowl Fifty Five. Um, honestly, just happened. We, we made it through the NFL season. I remember we were talking about it at the beginning of the season back in August before it all started. Like we were doing all those previews. Like, are we even going to get through this thing with COVID? And just shout out. Like, I, I don't give Roger Goodell a lot of shout outs, but shout out Roger Goodell and the entire NFL um, leadership for devising a plan and the only professional league that had that didn't have a game canceled because of COVID. So shout out the NFL. Um, hopefully 2021, we're able to have fans back and it's not as code restrictions. With that being said, we're going to give you a little taste on a way too early 2021, 2022 NFL preview. I got the futures up right here to win the Super yeah, so Bowl. Do I. So you just want to give, you just want to give our, uh, our favorite to win the Super Bowl or what? Yeah, I don't like the Chiefs. I don't know why they're the favorite. So. Chiefs plus five. I'm just going to run off the top. Uh, I got six. Let's see down here. So I'm running off top six for you. Chiefs plus 550. Packers 900. Bucks 900. Bills 1200. Ravens 1200. And Rams 1300. I think of all six of these, my favorites for value uh, would be Bucks 900, which seems kind of silly considering. We had got them at plus a thousand to start the playoffs this past year. Yeah. So I feel like you could just wait and get better value. Or Rams at plus thirteen hundred. I honestly like I have one that I like and you're probably not gonna like it. I like the Niners at plus sixteen hundred. I mean I can it's not the fact that I don't like it. I can't envision it right now because they need to make a lot of moves in the offseason. Yeah, I'm just I'm just concerned about what, what they're gonna do at quarterback. Um that's what I'm saying. It's like, I can't really see it. And honestly, like with, with all these odds, I feel like you're better off to just wait until the playoffs start if you're going to put something in. Yeah, but, I mean, if you want to just – if you're in Vegas, like, dude, honestly, if I was in Vegas tomorrow, the Dolphins are plus 2,500. I would probably throw 50 bucks on the Dolphins just because, fuck it, I'm going to spend a lot of money in Vegas anyway. Let's put this future out and let's, 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 let's let it ride, which they're actually pretty high. They're higher than what I thought they would be. Yeah, I think they're within, like, top, like, 12 or so. Yeah, so um, ones I don't like are the. I hate. I don't like the uh, the Bills. Nope. Honestly, 
I think that if they were going to win this year as their year, not to say that they're done for and they only have a quick stint, but I think there are a few pieces away still from making a, a not, Super Bowl push. I'm not in love with the Packers either. Yeah, especially with the whole Aaron Rodgers thing about maybe he doesn't want to play there anymore. They just need a lot to do on offense as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, a deep favorite, like this is like a low, low f- favorite on the list. Not saying like by any chance this will ever, ever happen. But if they can get a quarterback, they might, who fucking knows. The Washington football team is 6,600. Yeah, mine, I have plus six down here, but the the Washington team to be named later, maybe by the time that, you know, the season rolls around, they'll have a name for their team. No, they, uh, no, they actually said they're riding with the football team in 2021 too. Why? I don't know. It makes the, you have so much time to rebrand and get get people excited to come back into the stadium and you're going to ride with the fucking Washington football team. I don't know, man, but that's one down there, like deep, deep value. Yeah. They, they again, like their defense is there, but they still need, they need some work to be done on that off the side of the ball. Same as the uh, 49ers, but yeah, that's it. Jerry likes the, Niners and the Washington football team. I don't. I, like, I don't like the football team. I. I would. I said that's deep value. My. My favorite that I like is the Niners. Okay. I like the. Uh, the. I'll say the Rams because the. I mean the Bucks are easy money, but you could just wait and get that one for sure. So, that's our way too early. We'll obviously dive into more. We'll talk about once free agent shit. We'll probably have a free agency preview pod. Um, or maybe reactions as signings start happening. And then obviously we do our big draft episode, but um, that's going to wrap it up for football talk, which is kind of sad to say for the 2020, 2021 season. Um, Doesn't, we, we got, I feel like we got a lot more coming for you guys than we had in the past couple of years though. Uh, tons of UFC within the next like couple of months. Six that weeks. We'll, it will be nice little, uh, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. I don't really know how to say this, like buffer into our NFL postseason and draft episode. Yeah, we're also going to try to work on a lot more guests. We've had a, we've had some guests on recently, like more than usual, three probably in the last couple of months. I don't know if you guys noticed that. We're trying to get more guests on the show to give you guys a different perspective rather than just hearing two drunk brothers banter at each other. We're working on a couple of guests maybe for next week. Um, but, yeah, hopefully we have some more guests on in the future. But with that being said, let's go ahead and roll into – some stuff that's happening in the current sports world. And uh, we're going to talk about UFC 258, 
on the other side of the break. So we'll see you then. Football season's over, so we're diving into pretty much the only big event that we can think of this weekend. Uh, even There's probably 90-something college basketball games on. But UFC 258, we're going to give you a preview and our best bets. Uh, and we're just going to kind of talk about, you know, the card in general. We got It's a pretty big one. Kamar Usman's defending his belt on there and some other pretty badass fights. So let's just kind of dive into it. We'll start. I don't have anything really that I'm picking uh, till the main card. So, Jarrett, let's just give give us the fight that you want to pick on the prelims, and we'll talk about that. Fight that I want to pick on the prelims. I want to talk about the last prelim. On first of all, I want to preface by saying, shout out, shout out Dana White. If you guys are not into the UFC, you should get into it now because the man knows when the prime of the sport is, and it's right after right after football season. Because the next six weeks, I, re- I read an article from um, on ESPN. They have some crazy – they have six title fights in the next six weeks, which is bananas. Absolutely crazy. Um, there's a card in March that has three of them. Anyway, I'm going to talk about the last fight on the prelims. I'm going to talk about Jim Miller versus Bobby Green. All right. So we're pretty – that's going to be the only fight that we talk about outside of the main card. So let's dive into it. Uh, well, if that's the case, I mean, I, I don't pick on one, but one of the early prelims, Ricky Simon's a fucking psychopath. He's on the early prelims that start at uh, five fifteen Central Time. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a pick and I'll honestly end up probably betting on uh, Brian Keller hurt just because he's electric. But this fight, I mean, that's an insane fight to have the early prelims. Yeah, so check that one out. But the prelims, um, I got I got a pick for the Jim Miller Bobby Green fight. So let's take a look at that. It's the last one on the prelims card. I mean, neither of these guys are super exciting. They are both fighting in the lightweight division, so 155. Neither of them are super exciting or impressive, in my opinion. I mean, they've, they've both won. I mean, 32 and 15 and 27 and 11. Like, these dudes have fought a lot, but they've also lost a lot. They have. And if you want to look at somebody who's lost a lot more recently, you look at Jim Miller, who has – Hasn't he got a win in June, but before that, his last one was in August of 2019 against Clay Guida, which is kind of funny because Bobby Green also beat Clay Guida back in 2020. Bobby Green's fought four times in 2020. Yeah, it seems like he's definitely a lot more active, which is weird because they're both. I mean, these guys are old. They they fought a lot, 34 and 37 year old fighters. Um, I'm assuming you're leaning Bobby Green here. So I'm actually not leaning anybody here. Um, I'm actually going to lean the over of two and a half. It's dog shit odds. It's minus 250. But there's a reason why it's the favorite so much. Listen to this shit. Green's last nine fights have gone to the decision. He's four, four and one in his last nine fights. He's not a finisher and I don't see him losing to Miller. It's actually better odds to take him to take the over than to take Bobby Green. That's why I did that. Yeah, yeah, I can see that now. A lot, a lot of decisions that don't hate it. Um, I, I feel like this would just be one of those fights to just sit back and watch. It could be a good one. Uh, but if you're saying the over, maybe it'll be a boring fight. Who knows? 
That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I just don't, I don't see Jim Miller finishing Bobby Green, and Bobby Green's not a finisher. I think he's going to win. I think he's just going to outwork him, work the center of the octagon, press him, maybe throw a couple combos, maybe try a couple takedowns, but I don't think he's going to be anything too crazy. Yeah. The more, and the more I look at it, I kind of agree. Uh, 10 of Jim Miller's 15 losses have come by decision. Like, he's only got knocked out twice and submitted three times. Don't think you're submitting him because the dude's a monster on the ground. Uh, so it could just be one of those, like, just grinding fights. So I kind of like that. Which yeah. minus 250, a better hit. I'm coming for you. Yeah, it's, I mean, like I said, it's dog shit odds, but it's the best odds I found in that fight. So, um, which brings us into the main card. Let's go ahead and kick it off with the first fight on the main card. Again, I think, so I I was one of those, and I, I'm, we're not casual UFC fans by any stretch of the measure, I would say, but I was just one of those UFC fans. Like, I'm not super, you know, juiced for this fight, but the more I looked at the card, I'm like, okay, I can get behind this. There's some decent ones on here. Yeah, I can definitely get behind it. So the first fight on the main card is Julian Marquez. His his uh, nickname killed me. The Cuban Missile Crisis. He's also, from, Can- He's also from Kansas City. Is he? Yep. Yes, he is. Right now, Kansas City, uh, and he is minus one sixty five fighting Maki Patolo, uh, nicknamed Coconut Bombs. He's from Hawaii, so for for good measure, uh, and he is plus one fifty in the over under on rounds in this one and a half. Uh, this fight, like the more I look at it, I think it'll be good. I initially wanted to take the under in this fight. But I'm I'm actually leaning over because it's so it's one and a half, so it's half the fight. And uh, this is why uh, this Patolo guy has lost two of his last or two in a row, three of his last four. But I was looking at this Julian Marquez guy; he hasn't fought uh, in almost like three years since his yeah. Ultimate Fighter finale loss in July of 2018. Yeah, almost four years. Yeah, so. I like that because, like, you know, it's because, like, and that's why I'm leaning towards Patolo as the underdog. I'm leaning towards him. He has more fight minutes as of as of late. He's been in the octagon more, and we saw what happened to Conor McGregor. You know, in in the last UFC card, um, UFC 257, he hasn't been fighting a lot, and Dustin Poirier has, and he's kind of worked him a little bit. And I can see this Patolo guy doing the same thing to Marquez. You know, not fighting in almost three years is insane. And not, not, I mean, not saying the ultimate fighter is not legit, but he's never really had any real UFC minutes. Uh, yeah, he fought on UFC in the UFC back when Lawler fought Dos Anjos in 2017. I think he fought on the undercard, but not fighting in almost what four years is, is going to be really hard on him to come back in and finish a fight early. I think. The fact that A, he hasn't fought in a long time, and B, the fact that Patolo has been struggling lately. Uh, I just feel like the, these are two fighters need to shake some rust off, and they're not going to be looking to finish in the first round and a half. I like that. What are the odds in the over? The over is – let me pull that up for you. I think it's the favorite. I think it's minus 170. Uh, Patolo. The over is minus 170, yeah. Okay, I can get behind that a little better. My over, I'm gonna, I'm like I said, I'm gonna do Patolo money line plus where I found it was plus one forty. Um, I got a funny line for this. Much like the Chiefs, this Kansas City native is gonna take an L. Marquez, that is. So, all right, 
There you go. Don't hate it. I, I, it's going to be a weird fight. I feel like they're going to feel each other out for sure, and it could go one of two ways. So definitely going to like likely in the underdog in that one. Second fight on the card, one that you're probably not going to find on a lot of your books yet. Hopefully they come out with more lines. Well, you want to know why? It just got added today. Is that what it is? Did somebody back out? Yeah, um, there was supposed to be a really badass fight. Uh, I forget who it was. So are both these fighters thrown in, or is one of them replacing somebody? Yeah, because you see, it's 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 a, it's at catch weight. It's at catch weight, so they didn't they don't have to cut weight or anything. I don't know what weight they're fighting at. Yes, um, Pedro Munoz and Jimmy Rivera were pulled because um, I think one of them tested tested positive for COVID. Yeah. So Chris Gutierrez um, is fighting. He usually fights at featherweight at one forty five, and he is fighting Andre. Ewell, Ewell, don't know how to say it, at Bantamweight, who's usually 135. Yeah, so they're probably just deciding, like, you know, let's scrap. doesn't have to be, like, any certain weight. So that's what catch weight means for all you newbies out there. So this is a fight that was added today. It's probably, like, I, I know Dana White probably has, like, a couple backups every single time, especially now with COVID, in case this does happen. Um, but that's it. Um, how do you see this fight playing out? I don't know much about either of these guys, so. Yeah, Gutierrez, so the heavier guy is the favorite at minus 155. The lighter underdog at UL is plus 125. I have honestly, like, crazy to say it, never even heard of either of these guys. And Andre UL is 17 and 6, so he's been around a time or two. And so is Gutierrez. He's 15 and 4. I'm just going to have to go with him. You know, he's a heavier fighter. He's younger. He's and honestly just leaning towards him because he's a favorite in the sense that it's going to be a lot harder for this guy, zero prep to come in and fight a guy that's headed in. Yeah. I don't hate that at all. Um, I'm actually going to lean the over in this fight because of that reason. I just think with no, with no full fight camp, you're not, you're not meeting at a certain weight. I feel like that no one has watched tape on anybody per se, like to know any advantages, like, Again, I know I keep referencing the McGregor Poirier fight, but Poirier knew to chop down that leg and to take out McGregor that way. Um, also, Ewell's last four fights have gone have been by decision, and Gutierrez's last three of four have gone to decision. So I just see this going a, a long fight and uh, the over two and a half. It's minus one eighty five. Maybe parlay them both. Maybe parlay Gutierrez and the over. Or yeah, take them straight up. I mean, I definitely don't love it though because no. I'm looking at it a little bit more now. Gutierrez. Is the heavier guy has an eight-inch uh, reach deficit. This this Ewell guy has probably the longest arms of a 135-pounder I've ever seen. A 75-inch reach. Jesus. Which is bananas. I'm looking at his picture right here on ESPN, and I'm not even kidding. His knuckles damn near touch his knees. Like, he has some long-ass arms. So, maybe I don't like that the more I think about it. You might want to leave Jared's pick. Um, but... That was one that was just kind of added probably today, I think. Yeah, it was definitely added recently, which brings us to the third fight. It's a middleweight fight. It's 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 a guy, a journeyman, been around a long-ass time, Kevin Gaslam fighting Ian Heinish. Um, you said Kevin, it's Kelvin. Kelvin, sorry, Kelvin. <laughs> I do not know how to say Ian's last name. Yeah, I think I think it's Heinish. Uh, Kelvin is the heavy favorite, minus two twenty five. Um, Heinish is plus one seventy five. This is a fight on the card that I did not pick. I I like me some Kelvin Gastelum, but he's been slipping as of late. I think he's lost his last three, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and that's 
that's what I was going to say. Like, it, it's hard to bet against Calvin Gaslin, but I think, like, don't want to say it because he's only 29 years old, but I think his prime is behind him. Like, the dude shot up the rankings really quick, and he's lost his last three, given that those last three were Adesanya, Till, and Manson. But at the same time, just has not looked on his game. Yeah, I mean, he, he has fought a gauntlet, um, which is why I didn't, I, didn't take, I didn't take a pick. I didn't like the over-under. Gaslam's too heavy of a favorite. I didn't feel comfortable going with Heinish as the dog, so I just stayed away from this. I think Travis might have a pick, so I'll, I'll let him lead into it. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team team ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Yeah, I do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Heinrich at plus 180. Like Jared said, I mean, honestly, both these guys are super seasoned. They've been in every situation, every fight. They can both win on the ground, on their feet, or just kind of grind out to a decision. Since Gaslin has lost his last three, and he's heading into another fight as a minus 220 favorite, I cannot think about touching that. I'm just going to go with uh, Ian Heinish on sheer value, just because on paper, when you look at it like it is a close matchup, I think that Gaslin's only the favorite because of his name and where he's been. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's lead into the co-main event, and this one I think, uh, should be a good one, actually. I usually don't like uh, women fights as of late because they've been getting boring, but this one should be a barn burner. Macy Barber, plus 125, versus Alexa Grasso. Grasso. Do these names, I swear, nobody picks the worst names in UFC fighters. Gets the I mean, they can't, can't really choose your last name. <laughs> hey, if I'm being famous, you bet your ass I can choose it. Uh, which people would pronounce our name wrong, I'm sure. Alexa Grasso, minus 150, and the over-under is two and a half. Yeah, I'm actually going to lean with Macy Barber here. Um, That's who I like, too. She hasn't fought in a year, but before that, she lost lost to a decision to a questionable fighter in January of 2020. Um, She lost to Roxanne Modafferi, and that lady has been around forever. Yeah, she's she's definitely so, you can't blame her with that. She's definitely a journey woman for sure. But before that loss, she was undefeated. And I think she returns back to running ways just because Grosso has not been impressive. She's three and three in her last six. Very, I know I keep saying referencing it, Conor McGregor-esque, but I mean it's just I don't know. Like I I, I always like taking a dog on a card, and this this is the one that kind of I gravitated towards the most. Yeah, I, I really like this. At plus 125, I think her loss last January was a bump back down to reality because she started her career 8-0 at age 21. I think that's badass. She's 22 years old, uh, which is awesome to see. Five of her eight wins are knockouts, which is impressive from a girl who only has nine pro fights. 
And like you said, Grasso lost three of her last six. What I'm saying, like she's super inconsistent. She's like on a win one, lose one streak. Yeah. And if that continues, which it has over the last five years, she's on she's on the pace to lose because she won her last one. Yeah, I mean, take, you're looking at odds like that. Also, our our guy Ben Askren is in is on Macy Barber's like uh, coaching team. So um, I know she's got knockout power, but. I think he's been coaching her up in the grappling and in the wrestling game, which I think is always, it, it's not bad, especially when you're such a young fighter like Macy Barber to expand your, your, your repertoire. And, you know, she was known as a knockout KO artist. She's, she's trying to better her grappling and wrestling. So that's always nice to see. I, I like Barber here a lot. It's probably honestly, besides my main event pick is my, is one of my favorite, my favorite picks on the card. All right. Which leads us into the main event. Uh, Kamaru Usman, Marty. minus 270 versus Gilbert Burns, plus 220. And the over-under on a five-round fight is four and a half. Uh, I, I'm not expecting – I'm, I'm going to watch it, but I'm not expecting an interesting fight from Marty Snoozman. I think the reason they call him the Nigerian Nightmare is because he literally puts me to sleep watching him no they call him the nigerian nightmare because you have nightmares about this fucking 65 dollars you spent watching this boring ass dude fight yeah i mean one goes in the other you're gonna have nightmares while while falling asleep the 65 dollar fight that you just paid for yeah because i mean he fought jorge masvidal back in july and if jorge masvidal couldn't make this fight interesting with with marty usman Gilbert Burns definitely isn't because Gilbert Burns is just as fucking boring because he two these two chodes were teammates. So like and I get it. Like you want to do the most you can do to retain your belt, but at the same time, you are in the entertainment industry. You gotta at least make it somewhat fun to watch. And I will say the Kamara Usman Colby Covington fight was fun. It was fun. It's hard to not make a fight fun with Colby Covington. But how can Gilbert Burns avoid Usman's just holding against the fence and stopping on feet. He can't. You don't think he can, even though he was teammates with him? No, man. I mean, that's that because that's that because that's Gilbert's game too. When Gilbert fought Tywin Woodley, when I watched him fight back in, I guess it was last May, early June, um, he did the same shit. Like Tyron wants to strike, he wants to stand up, and he just did the same shit that Usman does because. That's I don't know if that's what their mo is in that weight division at, at American Top Team because that's where they were. That's where Colby Covington was. That fight didn't go down that way. No, I think this fight's going to be boring as hell, which is why I have the over. Yeah, the I mean it's just so I don't hate it, but it's so hard to pick an over on four and a half. Just because I would, and that would just like hurt my soul. That hurts my soul to just sit there and want a five round fight. I mean it's it's going to happen if you look think- at. I think it will. I'm hoping the and the only reason I'm gonna I'm picking I'm picking another underdog here in Gilbert Burns three in a row just because I'm just that's what I want. Like it's it's very very low. It's my smaller play. I don't love it, but just because I'm hoping that Gilbert Burns can do something incredible and and kind of knock him out or put him in a submission or chokehold or something. But and the only reason I think he might be able to Gilbert Burns went up against Damian Maya and Tyron Woodley and like beat them both pretty easily, pretty handily. And those are both big wrestlers. Yeah. And Usman, 
mean, he dominated Woodley too, but I mean, I, I don't honestly, I don't want either of these guys to be champion. I really don't. I think they're both boring. I think they're both bad for the sport. I'm going to say it. I'm not fans of either of them. It has nothing to do with where they're from or who they are. I don't give a shit. I think they're just boring. They're bad for the UFC to have a champion at one of the most loaded weight divisions. The welterweight division is fucking loaded. And you're going to have these two guys represent or one of these two guys represent your champion. Um, I hope Gilbert Burns wins. I'm, I'm tired of seeing Usman up there and Gilbert Burns may easily win by decision. So I, I don't know. I just, I, the reason why Usman has not had a fight that didn't go to the fifth round or the third for his non mains since his win over Moraes in September of 2017. So Usman has had fights go the distance or over four and a half back dating back to September, 2017 Burns three of his last four fights have gone to decision. So yeah, don't hate that. I'd like to see Burns win. I think I think they need to get uh, Colby Covington and or Leon Edwards up in yep. to hold the belt to make some shit exciting because those dudes do not care to throw fists all day long. So don't can care, we do a they don't care to lose fights? Can we do an Usman? Whoever wins this fight, can we have a can we have a Leon Colby fight and the winner of that gets gets the winner of this? Yeah, I'm totally down for that. Anything to get some more exciting fighters which honestly i mean as much as we talked about how good these fights are coming up like this one's this one's pretty good and i think this one's like the least of them all yeah so let's let's just talk about it real quick i mean the ufc i'll look it up right now but us 258 is obviously a big one but over the next six weeks like we said there are six titles even shit dude even next saturday on February 20th, you got Curtis Blades versus fucking Derek Lewis, which is always – Derek Lewis is always entertaining. Andre Arlowski is going to be on that card as well. Then you got the next fight night. You got Rosenstruck is on that one. I mean – and then you got 259, which honestly is the card I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, I mean, Mar- March is going to be insane with Jan Blachowicz and Adesanya. And the following week, you have Leon Edwards versus – uh that Kameyev guy who's yeah. that up and coming guy who just knocks everyone out. And then the end of March off, you have Miocic and Ganu too. It's well, insane. On that, on that Blahovitz card on the six, you got Blahovitz Adesanya, Nunez and Megan Anderson and Peter Jan and Aljamain Sterling, three title fights on that card. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be banana. That'll probably be barring another Conor McGregor fight and international fight week, the largest pay-per-view event of the year. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. And there's also, as of right now, on the other one in March, you said Travis, on March 27th, when it's Miocic and Ganu, which they've already fought before. We'll talk about that. I'm so excited for it. There's also another championship fight on that one. It's Volkanovski versus Brian Ortega for the featherweight. For the featherweight. Yeah. And, dude, I can tell you what. Well, I know we're getting a little bit into, into the future here, but Volkanovski is going to be a, a pretty decent favorite in that fight. I'd love me some Brian Ortega. I will juice Brian Ortega because Volkanovski is not Gosh. me. I love, I love me some Brian Ortega. It might be like, if you don't know him, this is going to be your fight to watch him because he could be your new favorite fighter. Yeah. Yeah. So UFC is definitely coming with the juice. I mean, because like I said, Dan, Dana White knows when, when football season is over, it's time to put on the show and he's doing it. We also got college basketball plays daily on the Action Network. Obviously, check out our affiliates. Um, Lincoln bio for blue coolers, Kong, Bovada to bet, you know, that we got daily basketball plays going on, but 
That's going to do it for I mean, us. It's, it's just gotten, it's gotten too hard to tweet out all our basketball plays it each is. day. So, like, and I know it's annoying, like, saying, hey, follow our Action Network. But truly, uh, I have fallen in love with it. Jarrett turned me on to it. We put all our picks out there. And it's just so much easier to track your picks. So, yeah. if you haven't downloaded it, not even affiliates, just download it and, and track us there and follow all of our picks there. Yeah, it's just so annoying to, like, try to, like, okay, I have this, I have this much money on this team. Like, I used to keep it in my notes – Action Network, you pull it up, it gives you like predictive, like even if you're a casual gambler, like gives you like predictive, like what you're, because like right now we have five games, well, actually more than that, one, two, three, four, we have six games going right now and it's telling us our record for the day and our projected record. So do it, follow us, we put out daily plays. We, we honestly add shit throughout the day too. I added two plays yesterday, like later in the day. So it happens because you find stuff you like. So do that. Like, subscribe, share, and uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.